This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of peeing my pants over today's episode. We're, today, we're interviewing my friend Ophira Eisenberg. And Ophira is a stand-up comedian in New York City. I met Ophira in a hot tub. So we'll talk about that on the episode a little bit later. She's an amazing comic. She's obviously super funny, but she has a scope of talent that is pretty hard for a lay person like myself to even wrap my head around. So Ophira is a comedian, a writer, and a host of NPR's hit trivia comedy show, Ask Me Another, where she has interviewed and played silly games with the likes of Ellie Kemper, George Takai, Sir Patrick Stewart, Ethan Hawke, David Cross, Dr. Ruth, Louis Black, Uzo Aruba from Orange is the New Black, and many others. She's appeared on HBO's Girls. She was just in the most recent season and the very last episode. I think it was season five, which was my favorite season of Girls, by the way. She has been on The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore, on Fox's Red Eye, on The Late Late Show, The Today Show, Comedy Central, and VH1. Selected as one of New York Magazine's top 10 comics that funny people find funny and featured in the New York Times as a skilled comedian and storyteller with a bleakly stylish sense of humor. Ophira's debut memoir, Screw Everyone, Sleeping My Way to Monogamy, was optioned for a feature film with Zucker Productions. She has appeared as a panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and is also a regular host and teller with The Moth and has appeared on their award-winning podcast and radio show. She has also released her second comedy album bangs on comedy dynamics she's also the mother to six-month-old lucas and her sweet little boston terrier mocha married to jonathan 
So she has so many great things to share today. And this interview was so fun. Oh my gosh, we could have just talked for so long because her life has changed so dramatically in the last six months since becoming a mom. But there was also a life that she lived behind the scenes for a couple of years leading up to having her son that no one really knew about. And so she was on stage as a stand-up comic while going through breast cancer and not really sharing with that with anyone. And then while going through some really heavy pregnancy stuff and not sharing that with anyone. And so going through some loss associated with that. So we're going to dive into the life that Ophira lived as a stand-up comic while going through the darkest time of her life. And we're going to share what her life is like now as a mom who had her son at 43. So we joke about being old moms. (laughs) And she also is going to talk about how she's balancing or not balancing work and life, motherhood, and being a stand-up comedian in New York and all the different projects she has going on. So this was a super fun episode. I know you're going to love everything we have to say. So you're going to need at least a bottle of wine for this. So like lock it down, get the cork out, let's get going and let's go ahead and get started with Ophira. Ophira Eisenberg, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I have to first say welcome and thank you. Thank you for being here. Oh my God, my pleasure. Absolutely. And I have to tell everyone how we met. Because, yes, please. Because I haven't met anyone else this way. And probably most people listening haven't made friends this way either. So we, Vince and I were in Mexico in Sayulita. And I don't even know how many years ago this was now. It feels like a lifetime ago. Maybe, Maybe 700. Yeah. Yes, somewhere at least somewhere 700 between 100 and 700. <laughs> so I was in a hot tub by myself. And I think Vince was getting us drinks or something. You can correct me at any point if I'm remembering incorrectly. So you come and get in the hot tub and we just started chatting and then Vince comes and then I think Jonathan, your husband came and we ended up chatting and becoming friends. And Vince and I have never made vacation friends. Nor have we. Before or since. And we never will again because like we hit the jackpot so big with you guys, we can't ever make vacation friends again. (laughs) We've never made vacation friends except for that one instance. But usually we go out of our way for the exact opposite experience. Yes. Yes. So like, like, oh, there's people there. Go the other way. (laughs) And especially in a hot tub. Like you don't make eye contact in hot tubs. Like, (laughs) Like when you're in the hot tub in Mexico, you just stare off away from all the other people. <laughs> yeah. So but was, somehow we knew. Somehow we knew it would all be leading know, to this moment to right now. And then we ended up doing, I think it was like the very next morning, we did the workout on the beach, which was like oh, five people yep. doing a workout that was, if I remember, it was yoga and it was really hard. It was not like vacation yoga. It was not. And it was also on like the bumpiest sand of all time. <laughs> it was all balance based, but on like there was no way. It was like, yeah, trying to balance on top of like sand ice picks. I mean, it was right. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and it was during the crab migration. So there was little crabs the crab migration. The sand constantly <laughs> like running all over and you're just pretending that you don't see crabs running everywhere. Right. And when someone hears the phrase crab migration, I just want you to picture in your head. It's not like two gentle crabs. <laughs> There's like a thousand crabs yeah. and they're running. So like they were in our room because we were in these little huts that were very like outdoorish and adventurous kind of huts. I mean, it was not the Four Seasons. It was a really nice, great, gorgeous place. It was a cool place. The crabs could totally get in your room and they were all over in our room and we could hear them scratching at night. <laughs> they would fight. You'd wake up in the morning. There'd be like little crab arms and crab legs <laughs> all over the place because they would fight for us, like you had to drink enough at night that you could fall asleep and not be thinking about like I, the, the, I can hear the crabs. All the crabs just ricocheting right. across your walls. Right. It's crazy. That was a crazy element it to was. the whole thing that we were it like, was. oh, this lovely vacation during crab migration. What could go wrong there? Oh, they migrate through your room. What? 
Yeah, it was crazy. And people talked about how like we were so lucky to be there during that time because it's so cool. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it is kind of cool, but I don't need them. Like, I don't feel like it's good fortune that they're in my room. Yeah, <laughs> but apparently that's part of the blessing. It's a uh, medium cool. Yeah, right, right. So anyways, that was such a fun trip. And after Ophira lives in New York, I'm here on the West Coast in Seattle. And probably a year or so after that trip, I had to go to New York for an event. And I reached out to you and Jonathan via Facebook. And you like snuck me into an event and it was a moth slam. If no one's ever been to the moth, by the way, if you ever have a chance to go, if it's in your city or whatever, it's so cool. And I did not know that until I was in the one you were hosting in New York. But I remember when you were like, just show up at this thing and stand in line and I'll come out and get you. And then you like snuck me into the front row and you're like, just don't tell anyone how you got here. <laughs> I know. So I because the front it's, row and it was very, so fun. It's very complicated. And you'd think, you know, now they have pre-sale tickets. But at the time, everyone had to line up. So it, and it you was know, like people, a crazy line. Yes. Yes. Like around the building and down the block. And it was crazy, but it was yeah, so it, fun. Yeah. I'm glad that worked out because it's fun to go see the moth in New York. I mean, now it's a radio show and the podcast and the shows are all over, but it started in New York. So it sort of has this really specific vibe there. Yeah, I know. I remember afterwards telling my husband, I'm like, have you heard of this moth thing? It's so cool. And he's <laughs> such an avid NPR listener that he was oh, yeah. familiar. So I'm like a really, I'm an embarrassing radio listener. Like I'll listen to top 40 because it's good workout music. Totally. And by good workout music, I mean, it's generally like really bad music, but I can work out to it. Yeah, and so be. he's like the educated radio listener who listens to NPR. And stuff. And so, well, even though I'm on NPR, I have to say I need escapism from it too, because I'm yeah. so used to that kind of vibe. So sometimes I'm listening, I'm with you. I'm like, ah, top 40. Well, <laughs> if I'm driving in a car, which I don't have, I'll start. I'll just be like, let's spend two minutes on every radio station. Right. And Get I will go through the Bieber. entire dial. Yeah. Right. So one of the things I was so excited about when I started the Shameless Mom Academy was getting different moms on the podcast and hearing different experiences. So you have been posting stuff about motherhood on Facebook. And it occurred to me at some point, I don't remember what you had posted, but I was like, Oh my God, how did I not think of this? I have to have Ophira on the show because I want to get different mom stories. But your story is of motherhood. Well, and I didn't even know at the time how insane and deep it goes. But and, and saying, I mean that very complimentary. So you are like me, an elderly mother. So I had Vinny of a at, mature age. Right, yes. right. I had Vinny at 37. And if we have another child, it'll be like 41 ish, which is not a spring chicken. And I remember growing up, my mom had me at 37 and had my sister at 40. And I was always scared that my friends would find out how old my mom was because I was like, oh, I have an old mom and like, and that's embarrassing. And now I'm like, oh, and here, what have I done? Like, I'm an old mom as well. But I know that you, you have taken so much time to build an amazing career. And when I met you, my sense, and I don't remember if we had a conversation about this or not, but my sense was that motherhood was kind of not on your radar or just not something that you were pursuing at the time and potentially not interested at at all for your lifetime. And then you wrote your amazing book, Screw Everyone, and (laughs) Sleeping Your Way to Monogamy, which is a fantastic book. And I had such a fun time reading it. And yeah, I was like, they're not going to have kids. And then all of a sudden, not only were you like 
making a Facebook pregnancy announcement, but you were like eight and a half months pregnant, I think, when you made it Facebook official. Yes. So I'm going to link to you in a recent article on Medium. You did such an amazing job of sharing this whole story. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes here at shamelessmom.com. But I also want to make sure that you tell us the highlights. So tell us about your unlikely road to motherhood. And you present this on stage as a story called Your Inside Joke. But kind of tell us how you got from like, on stage comic through a bunch of hoops and now mommy land. Well, yeah. So I wouldn't say there was no plan. I'm not a good planner as it turns out. So pretty sure we were not going to have kids. We didn't talk about it very much. We were older. I was definitely very connected to pursuing my career. And also because my career was stand-up comedy and performing, I knew I had to you know really dedicate myself and, Then there's just the other side of it where it wasn't particularly in me. I didn't feel a profound yearning. I thought, eh, it's totally fine. And that was the way I felt for a long time. And even as my other friends had kids, that was great. I just didn't see it for myself. And then things became a little better for me in my career and I got some jobs and I was working. But I don't know if this is common or not, but I would say that I wanted to have a kid when I got pregnant, which that might sound insane, but I had a health scare out of nowhere. I was diagnosed with early stage breast cancer, you know, as we'll say, very lucky, although you never feel like that at the time. (laughs) You didn't feel so lucky. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was terrible. And I wouldn't say I was brave and a wonderful survivor through it. I was completely a mess and angry and so upset and didn't understand as I muddled my way through the surgeries and the radiation, it was mentally, it just tore me in half and I didn't know who I was. I felt like I lost my identity, but I made it through somehow. I actually performed all the way through that and barely told anyone about it. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, it was part of me because I think I'll tell you, part of the reason is because I'm very mistrustful of how other people may deal with something that is very vulnerable. Okay. So I was worried that if I was very vulnerable to people and said, I'm going through this hard thing, I would be telling them because I needed help and understanding and empathy and whatever. And if people are freaked out in life in general, and they don't know how to respond to really intense things, and I was worried that someone I loved or cared about would respond poorly or, you know, say something that was not particularly empathetic or whatever, because they were just scared themselves. Right. And then I would hate them for the rest of my life. (laughs) Seriously. Totally makes sense. So were you able to like completely compartmentalize it and just be like, I'm putting cancer on hold and I'm going to go perform for an hour? Well, you see, when you perform, you have no choice. It's such a heavy load on your brain of what you have to do that it was absolute escapism because I would have to channel every last bit of brain cell and energy to that job of being on stage. And when you're on stage, you know, not only are you doing your material, but you're also listening to the crowd and you're observing what's happening in the crowd and perhaps making an adjustment. Like there's just so many things that are going on that you can't take in anything else. And the stage became so much more comfortable. I never wanted to leave the stage. Yeah. I just hated real life. And I wasn't writing a lot of new stuff. I was doing a lot of my older material. I wasn't writing new stuff because I just wasn't in any sort of mood to write new material. (laughs) To write funny stories. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to write some hilarious bits. I didn't have that kind of perspective or hindsight or anything. But I would do a lot of my other material 
And I think it made me feel, it connected me to the person that I thought I used to be and who I enjoyed because I didn't know who I was during the whole course of that. Anyways, I got through it and then I got pregnant from my husband as we (laughs) joke. And still we're like, wow, yeah, I guess that happened because we've been together for a decade. So, you know, it's always funny when people, even when I was actually noticeably pregnant and people were like, really? <laughs> uh, was there a special occasion? Or <laughs> We didn't know people still did that after 10 years. Yeah, right. And so when I got pregnant after the cancer, it meant so much to me because it meant that my body could support life and it made me feel like my body wanted me to live, like I wasn't sick, like I really did get through something, that I was a strong person who I thought I was physically. It really brought all this optimism back into my being. And actually, it reminded me of who I think I am in the best case scenario. Unfortunately, before I could even figure that out, I miscarried, which obviously is not fun, but it's not uncommon. Right. And God, you say cancer and then you say miscarriage, and I got to say, people are scared of miscarriage. They're more scared of miscarriage, even though a miscarriage is very common, happens right. to women. I mean, you're actually hard-pressed to find a woman who hasn't experienced that. Yeah, that's but true. I don't know why it's so demonized by our culture. We are so screwed up about that word, which I wish I got to figure out something to do about that because I feel like too many women must be just silently going through such emotional hell. Yes. I've known many, many women who silently go through that emotional hell. Yeah. And it shouldn't be that way. No. Just should not be that way. So anyways, it was hard on me too. It ended up being extra hard because my miscarriage was something called a bimolar pregnancy, which has nothing to do with anything. It's a genetic mistake. You know, as the doctors were, because I was trying to find reason. What caused it? What caused it? No, no, no. It's basically somehow an extra chromosome from the sperm gets added into the mix just by complete accident. And, you know, it would have never gone to term. Okay. But what grows is a group of irregular cells. So that's that. But the problem with it is they obviously, you know, I had a DNC. And then after that, they're just worried that the group, any irregular cell is left behind and they will grow quickly because the uterus is one of the most wonderful places for cells to grow, as it turns out. Okay. The perfect environment for cells to grow, which also means bad cells to grow. Right. So, and what are abnormal cells considered in our culture? They're called cancer. That is like what cancer is defined by a group of abnormal cells. So then I had to go for a blood test every week to make sure basically my hormone levels were decreasing because that would mean that nothing was growing, which in hindsight makes a lot of sense because of this thing, I had a huge hormone spike but no, which I guess, you know, everyone goes through that, but no fetus. So basically hormonally I went crazy. Wow. And it took a long time for it to decrease, but it did. Oh, were you performing through all that? Like, did you perform through this period of time as well? I did, but it wasn't as, you know, the first time I was battered down and somehow made it through it. But the second time I was like beating a dead horse, as they say, that cliche, like I had nothing. Yeah. I was just, you know. Yeah. And just wondering, is this how my life is going to go? Just one extreme heartache and tragedy to the next? Like, it just didn't seem fair. I would say that I was less scared of death than I was just like, I just don't want to be ill. 
And I also felt like I didn't know who to turn to for support because everything required such an explanation. Right. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but if someone's like, what's going on with you? You know, it's one thing if you can just be like, well, I broke my leg. <laughs> but I'd have to be like a bipolar pregnancy. They're like, what's that? It was just all these things. That Way too much to share. Yeah. And it was a rough six months and somehow I got through it. I have no idea how. Looking back, I pretend it was a time that I visited a different planet for a while <laughs> and deemed that the dark, cold planet that I did not want to inhabit Yeah, and made it back. Then when I was cleared, my OBGYN was like, okay, you guys can both try. And, you know, we basically laughed in her face like, yeah, no, 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 we're done with that. We're done with everything. We already chanced. Like, we just don't want to walk into a medical office anymore for yeah. the rest of our lives. I mean, I was almost becoming um, irrational, like, well, you know what? They tell me I have to come back in a year to get tested, but what if I just don't go? What are they going to do? <laughs> what are they going to do, hunt me down? Right. Yeah, so, because I was just feeling irresponsible and also just starting to blame the medical community. They found this in me, you know, never would have happened. I don't know, a lot of different things. But yeah. then I wanted it to happen. So did I you just, have a time in there, like, before... Did you feel like you were open to trusting your body before you actually got pregnant or did was no. it getting pregnant that allowed you to start to trust your body a little bit? Again? Yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. Exactly. Which then was quickly taken from me. So that's why I was just like, well, okay. uh, you know, I don't know what's going on. But my OBGYN, who is one of the only medical professionals that I like, that I've met along the way, she's very caring and very warm, yet good at her job. You know, she was just like, all right, let's just get that egg count test. She was just very gentle about it. Well, you know, why do you think about it? And that's why you're here to begin with. And, you know, like, when you get that egg count test, we'll see how it goes. And I got the egg count test, the blood test. I was like, another blood test, you know, rack them up. And it came back with a number. I don't even remember how those numbers work because they're weird. They're like 3.6 or something that doesn't mean anything to right. me now. But it just had a note from her because they give you the results via email that just said an encouraging number for someone your age. <laughs> this episode is supported by Nutrafol. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? If you're among them, you are not alone. Thinning hair is normal, but it's not openly talked about. So it can feel lonely and frustrating and sometimes even embarrassing when you're going through it yourself. Join the over 1 million people who are doing something about their thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Oh my gosh, I am a heavy shedder. So if you are a heavy shedder or if you are someone who's wanting to thicken your hair, I definitely want you to try out Nutrafol. I have loved using it myself and I know multiple other people who've used it and have found great results. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. To get started, you can take their hair quiz on Nutrafol.com, which will give you a personalized health plan based on your special root causes. Nutrafol is committed to helping you identify root causes of any shedding or hair loss so that you can really start to rebuild healthy hair in a way that is customized to you. So take the first steps to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code SHAMELESS. 
Find out why 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Go to Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SHAMELESS. Nutrafol.com, code SHAMELESS. So I- this episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers. On an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever, and your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you, and you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. You have this in your Medium article. Can I read this paragraph really quick? Sure. This is out of this amazing and long article. This is the paragraph that I pulled out because I connected with it so much. So I'll go ahead and share. A few days later, I got the results via email. It was a strange number with a one line note from my OBGYN that simply read an encouraging number for someone your age. And I sobbed, not because of the number, but because it was the nicest thing anyone in the medical community had said to me for years. I cried again at the notion that maybe my insides weren't waging a constant war against me. Maybe the fact that I felt good and strong most of the time wasn't disconnected from the truth, and maybe things were going to change. And with that, I looked at the calendar and decided that I was going to see if Jonathan wanted to try. I mean, it would be a shame to waste all those encouraging eggs, right? And the reason I connected so much with this is because when we've gone through with infertility is that you do get all this data all the time. Yeah. And when you're going through infertility, it's just constantly like, yes, and you also fail at this and you suck at this and your body doesn't do that and blah, blah, blah. And so you just kind of get used to like, we already know that like we suck at making babies and what's our plan. And that for us, it was always just like, okay, what's the next step? Okay, what's the next step? So I had the AMH test done, the egg count test done about a year ago. And with us trying to make this decision about having a second child, and I got this low number and the doctor was like, this isn't the end of the world, but it doesn't look that great. And so then this year I had it done again to see if it had changed and it actually has gone up and we don't know why wow. and how. Yeah, of course. But it no. was the same thing. Like I got again via email. <laughs> I, it's I so weird getting this stuff via email. So I mean, in weird. one way it's very efficient and I like it, but on the other side of things, it's just like I would have a panic attack every time I saw something in my inbox from a doctor's office because I'd been through so many not great results. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, I just got a statement today. <laughs> today in my email box, I got a statement from Wells Cornell and I recognized it and I still, it was like, no, no, no. They just want money. Like I had to talk oh, myself through it. Right, right. So ingrained it's, in yeah. there. You get that like conditioned oh. response. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so- I was getting that positive thing. I was like, we don't know if we want to have a second kid or not, but like this is the best feeling I've had in anything related to fertility is to just so have nice. one lab number come back that's a little bit hopeful. <laughs> yeah. And just anyone saying anything nice to you at all yeah. in the 
you know, I was saying that they never throw you a parade when they're like, no, everything came back normal. I'm just like, okay, pop the champagne. (laughs) Normal is the best thing ever. Exactly. Nothing interesting. Like, let's all toast to that. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't want to be interesting. I don't want to be like an interesting number or we've never seen this before or I'm sorry to tell you this or this is a rare situation. I don't want any of that. Right, right. Ever so, again. So take ever. us from getting that information and then... <laughs> okay, well, then it's adjust- like kind of ridiculous and sort of hilarious because I started to think, okay, well, we should try. Now, I am at this point in my life um, 42 years old and I'm like, well, we should try. And Jonathan and I haven't really spoken about it. And I know he just wants the best for me. And he also had to endure years of all of this stuff going. And I know that he doesn't want to see me go through this. And, you know, obviously a pregnancy is something that happens to your body. So, and my body had been chopped into and radiated and blood tested. And, you know, maybe it was time to leave my body alone. But I finally talked to him about it. It was like a joke, but true that he makes breakfast for me every morning. He's a saint. And we were... (laughs) I was looking at the omelet he put in front of me and I was like, oh yeah, eggs. You know what that reminds me of? I got my egg count thing back. And he was like, you know, and I was like, so there you go. That's a number, encouraging eggs. Ha ha ha. And he was like, you know, we don't have to do this basically. Like we don't have to do this. We could have a great life without this. And I heard that and I thought about it and I wondered how much of that was to sort of let me off the hook and how much of it was what he wanted. And really, it's too hard to tell because there was so much damage. You're we both so damaged from the last few years. So I didn't know how to address it. And I kept thinking about how to have a talk with him. And life just moved so fast. And we both were working all the time. And so I finally, I sat down and I wrote him an email, which is a weird thing to do. As one does. <laughs> yeah, especially if you, you know, share an 800-square-foot apartment in New York with someone <laughs> that you're basically beside each other all the time when you're home. <laughs> But I wrote him an email and I just basically said, I think we should try because the reason we're not trying is because of fear. And you cannot, I can't live with myself if I allowed myself to make decisions based on fear. That would mean that fear has won. And, you know, there's no way for me to tell if we made a decision that it would work out, especially with something like this. But if we decide not to even think about it because we're just too scared of it, then I feel like that is the worst decision we can make. That's such a good perspective, not an easy perspective, but a really really good perspective. I mean, a really powerful perspective. Yeah, it was tough, but I felt like it would be so much more I just feel like I'm not the person that could look back and go, oh, yeah, we just felt weird, so we didn't. Right. So we decided to go for it. However, I will say this, which is crazy, crazy. <laughs> I said, okay, we, have, we can try. I'm giving it four months. Yeah, four months because I had in my head that I wanted to be able to have a kid before I actually turned 44. And within the calendar, I figured that would mean that I would need to get pregnant, you know, early. And, you know, basically I had between, you know, October and March a couple of years ago, or I guess a year ago to do it, which is insane because A, I'm that old. <laughs> B, I wasn't adding anything into the mix. I mapped out the ovulation, but we weren't adding any extra fertility help at all because I didn't want to do it. I was like, no, I want only to use like Malbec and a calendar and see what happens, (laughs) which is a little unfair. I think that was putting a little extra pressure, (laughs) but 
I can't even believe it that it happened. It actually happened. And it happened pretty quickly. It happened the third month. The first month didn't count. And I was traveling like crazy too. Okay. So we couldn't even ever make the three days that I had right. put aside. But somehow it happened. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And then I was just so worried. Here we go. I mean, I went to the doctor and actually my OBGYN was out and I had a fill-in. And I said to this woman, listen, I actually gave her a speech and I said, I've been through a lot. I've been cut into. I've had a miscarriage. I've gone through cancer. You, I don't know what your demeanor is, but you better put the nicest, most professional, most caring demeanor on because I can't handle any of this right. New York style. Like, we'll just give you the facts and push you out the door. Good luck. Right. I was like, you're going to hold my hand. She was not very good at it, but I, I was happy I gave the speech. <laughs> it's good that you coached her a little then. Yeah, exactly. I was like, here's what's happening. You know, and that was the beginning actually too of another great lesson I've learned, which is if you think anyone is going to be able to figure out what you need, you're kidding yourself. And it doesn't mean they're terrible people. They right. just don't know. So you always have to be asking. Yeah. Asking. Asking, asking. But yeah, somehow, you know, we kept it a secret. We told not our parents, not our friends, not our jobs. We didn't tell anyone as I we did the tests and we tried to think positive thoughts. I mean, I bought blousy shirts and <laughs> just kept going until I did show quite late anyhow. So we managed to keep it a secret until about five months. And that coincided. I, of course, elected to do an amnio which was super scary. And I was convinced that the baby's not moving in you yet when you get those. So you have no gauge to tell how it's doing. And of course, they warn you that it could lead to a miscarriage. And, you know, it's a small statistic. But you know what? I was all the other small statistics. Right, exactly, exactly. And that's you would assume that you'll be in that percentage. Yeah. And I had no gauge as to tell myself during the week while I was waiting for results and to get back to the doctor how things had gone. That was Again, just mentally so challenging. It takes a week to get amnio results? Yeah. Wow. Actually, I got them a little faster. You know, we did whatever was the, you know, there's the Econo pack and then there's the super, super pack right. where you can get us tested for as many things as they can scientifically do. Okay. And I was like, yeah, let's do everything. Super, Every super. <laughs> give me everything you can. Right. And then it's still just 99%. But, you know, I had a great genetic counselor by complete accident. And she told me something so interesting that I try to tell it to as many people. Oh, yes, sure. Which I was just like, yeah, well, you know, does, does the percentage of miscarriage after an amnio increase the older you are? And she was like, okay, let me tell you this right now about all these things that people are telling you. To be that increases as you get older. She goes, some of them are based in fact. But also the fact is that women have only been getting pregnant later in life fairly recently in our culture. So we just don't have a lot of data. So our data that we're using for a lot of the things is about 10, maybe 15, maybe 20 years old. It's not actually super up to date because that's just not how science works. Right. So she goes, so is there an extra percentage chance? We think so, but we don't have enough cases to really be able to pull out the kind of statistics that we can from other groups of women that we've just had so many women right. in their 20s over the years get pregnant and go through this or so many which goes we just don't have the same numbers that of women so much sense yeah so she was kind of like you gotta take this stuff with a grain of salt right right which for a again someone in the medical profession to say that kind of stuff like i wanted to just 
take her business cards and hand them out to everyone <laughs> on the planet and just like, go all women go see her <laughs> yeah like don't go to anyone else go to someone that is you know because she was both smart and efficient and clearly really good at what she was doing but also just had this human aspect and talked right. to me about I mean I thought that was such a valuable piece of information yeah, that is really yeah I will say because we're now looking at everything you know being close to 41 and looking at if we want to have a second everything is very age related of and course so it's constantly like well your numbers are okay for your age kind of a thing uh, or for it, yeah. it's all prefaced by like for your age so that is very uh, comforting to me <laughs> yeah and just everything's based on just heavy precaution which yeah. i know and part of me really likes it and part of me goes well it's also creating like perhaps undue anxiety which if anything gives people anxiety well i mean i was very anxious through my pregnancy i wish i was someone that was just like relaxed and you know went to stores and just idly you know went through racks of baby clothing but nothing i wanted nothing in my house i was gonna ask we had some friends go through a really tremendous loss um they had stillborn twins and when they got pregnant with their son we actually got pregnant at the exact same time and yeah, there was like, there was no car seat and crib coming home until like the baby came home. Like nothing yep. was entering the house. And that made so much sense to me. Like I, that's what I did. And then that's we were getting stuff. I, I was like, hide it from them. Don't let them, you know, like I felt very protective of their feelings because, you know, our experience, it took us a very long time to get pregnant, but we didn't have any reason to think that we would have any problems carrying sure. a pregnancy. So I was just nervous because it had taken a long time, but I was like on Zulily buying stuff like every day. So. Yeah. Well, see, so that's how I wanted it. And I would never go back and do it any other way. Cause I even borrowed clothing from my next door neighbor oh to take to the hospital. Wow. I mean, baby clothes. Cause I had nothing. Wow. We had nothing. We had a car seat. Cause that we were told we couldn't leave the <laughs> hospital without a car just seat. Just carry him on your lap. <laughs> Yeah, so that you're not allowed to leave the hospital. So we got that about a week before, but we had nothing else. And then, you know, somehow it worked out. It was a little hectic because I didn't really understand either how hectic it would be to have a newborn. So it was a little hectic doing, I mean, I think I bought some stuff on Amazon that was probably a little crazy here and there. <laughs> but also, you know, people, again, if you have the wherewithal, people do want to help you, right. friends, and they do want to buy stuff when you have a newborn. So if you actually can just tell them what to buy... <laughs> It's actually like, great. Here's my, here's my Amazon list. <laughs> yeah. So we did that all after the fact. It was a little hectic playing catch up. Right. I can see why people would just like to walk in and have a nursery, but there was no way mentally I could have handled that. Right. Right. No, yeah. Totally. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And so, and then of course, because I'm older, you know, they just keep telling you about C-section, C-section and C-section. And I know that's because it's the only way they can guarantee that everything is going to work out just fine. And I wasn't against the C-section on any particular health way, just that I have scars on my body from a car accident when I was a kid and then my boob from the cancer that I was just like, could I not have one more scar? Like, right. is that possible? I am basically riddled with scars. Please. And especially if the other scars aren't like happy memories. No. <laughs> so just like, could I just not? And so... I said, I'm not going to put myself in harm's way, but let's see if we can make this happen. And they don't love that that's how you want to treat it, you know? Yeah. But somehow it worked out. Nice. Although he came out slightly with his head to the back, which I had something called back labor, which is the most pa oh my God. painful labor of all time. Hilarious. <laughs> in hindsight. I've had yeah. some girlfriends yeah. in precarious situations with back labor. Oh my God. It was ridiculous. And I also, you know, I did the hypno babies thing and all kinds of stuff thinking maybe I could handle the pain. Oh my gosh. Like, did you read life. the birthing book? 
I listened to a lot of the audio stuff. I okay. got bought the audio. So I yeah. read the book and I went uh, into my doctor's office. I was probably like 36 weeks and I went into my doctor's office and I was yeah. like, I'm good. So I delivered with a naturopath midwife. And so I, went in, I went into her <laughs> okay. office and I was also doing like, You're crazy. I was taking classes You're and crazy. stuff too, but that were specifically for natural childbirth. But then I went in and I was like, I read the hypnobirthing book. Like I am good. I totally have this. Don't worry. And she's like, I'm glad you read the book, but I have to warn you, you have to do a lot of hypno, like you have to practice it a lot before you go into labor. And she's like, honestly, at 36 weeks, you don't have enough time to practice it enough to make it a really, for it it to be really impactful on your labor. And I was like, that's fine. Like, and still in the back of my mind, I'm like, she's totally wrong. I got like, I can breathe my way through this. And Mm -hmm. then like an hour into labor, I was like, oh dear God, (laughs) like there is no breathing through this. No, 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 no. I I mean, yeah, I relate to that on every level listen to the CDs starting at whatever it was, you know, just enough time. I think I gave myself with like eight weeks or something like that and tried to, you know, I didn't do a great job of being disciplined about it, but I tried thinking that I'd probably, and then the labor started and breathe, relax. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's ridiculous. I sold those CDs because they were a couple hundred bucks to another woman. And I just sort of gave her a hug and I was like, yep, this is <laughs> one of the most useless purchases you'll ever make, but good luck to you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> However, I will say there was one CD that was just affirmations that you were supposed to listen to every day. And it was a woman in a very calming voice, just saying things like everything's different iterations of everything's going to work out perfectly. And I listened to that 15 times a day. Oh, interesting. I couldn't stop listening to it. And then did you reference, were you able to reference it once you were in labor? No, no. (laughs) But I was so anxious through the whole thing that I really liked it. Yeah. And that is, I've never done anything like that before. You know, I'm a little really earthbound kind of person. Yeah. And I found that really helpful. Yeah. 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 So do you think, this is a big question, but do you think that if you hadn't gotten cancer, like was cancer the catalyst for pregnancy, do you think? Or do you think that you would have pursued pregnancy either with or without having gone through that? That's a good question. It is hard to say. I don't know. Part of me thinks like where I am right now with this cute little kid that something would have happened yeah, and that would have changed my mind. And maybe it would have been you know, we would have just all of a sudden, even way late in the game, just decided to try. Who knows? And the spontaneous pregnancy the first time was a real surprise. I mean, to quote a very funny comic, Laurie Kilmartin, the only reason we weren't using birth control was because I thought I was using birth control and I thought that was my age. (laughs) Like I just figured it wasn't going to happen. And I also just figured my body was so screwed up that it wasn't going to happen. So it wasn't completely on my radar in terms, that wasn't a real concerted push. It was just sort of like, wow, really? Wow. But it's nice to think now. And of course, you know, crappy things are going to happen again. You know, right now I'm dealing with some family members that are sick and that sucks that you have to deal with that at the same time of having, like, you know, it just, there's no end to bad things happening. So you can't protect yourself from it. But I just, I think... The fact that I had to deal with this really terrible thing made when, you know, it's life and death. So then when it became about creating life, it became much more meaningful to me. And I don't know how I would have arrived to that in a different way. I'm sure I would have, but the fact that I felt that I was going to die in some way and then all of a sudden had this opportunity to maybe 
Create Life was just a huge way of me controlling my story and making yeah. it even better. Yeah. So do you identify with your pre-cancer, pre-motherhood self? Or is, does that feel like different person, different life? Well, I do look at those photos and I think, now am I smiling bigger there or am I smiling bigger now? It's interesting. But, you know, I'm still in the trenches because my baby's only six months. So I don't know who I am. (laughs) I'm still like, I'm not getting to the gym. When I was listening to you talking about how you go to the gym five days a week, I was, I work out at home. I don't go to the gym. I work out, but it's at home. At home. I can't like get in a car. That's too hard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. No, I think this is growing up in a weird way. It's not like I wasn't an adult there, but you know, now I feel, and I always wanted in my life to experience everything. Like that is part of who I am. I wanted to go on adventures. I wanted to experience everything. That's why, the, hence the, your book, Screw Everyone. Exactly. And <laughs> Don't so, leave I, anyone out. Like, yeah. An all-inclusive like, adventure. <laughs> all-inclusive. That's right. Don't limit yourself. That would be wrong. Right. So the fact that, you know, I also get to experience this is what, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what I really wanted. So I feel there is part of me that has had some questions rolling around in my brain for years. And those questions have been answered. And that is like wondering, oh, what would this be like? Like now I know the answer to them. And I love that. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. That's, yeah. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is 
around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. Yeah, that's so great. But also, you know, I think I have a lot of friends who don't have kids. And I think that, you know, there's part of me, of course, that's now jealous of their life in whatever way you are, of course. But I also find it is such a universal conversation that I have stepped into as someone who loves talking to people and loves experience life to be able to have the conversation now about motherhood and child rearing has Mm -hmm. opened up the, like I'm talking to you, but it's opened up the conversation. Like I feel like I can talk to anyone. It's so interesting. It definitely changes the dynamics and it broadens the playing field, I feel like. And professionally, it's so interesting what it's done for me professionally, at least. It's just made me really reassess what I want to do professionally and kind of the different directions that I want to go and how I want things to evolve. And it's just definitely being shaped by motherhood. And I didn't see that coming. I kind of thought like, I'm gonna have to push pause on some things to have a kid and then I can get back to the, the important work things. And that's shifting a lot and not because like I thought maybe it would shift because I would want to spend t- be at home with the kid and it's not so much that <laughs> as right. much as I want to do other professional things that are going in a different direction that I originally anticipated and I want the child to be in childcare while I do that. <laughs> and, yeah, totally. So. No, exactly. I have a nanny and that's the way because I want to be able to do both. I don't really have the work-life balance worked out at all. You were back on stage like three months after he Lucas was born? Yeah, that's correct. And I mean, for the average person to get up and go to work like nine to five is one thing. You're like going to work at what, like 10 p.m.? Yeah. That is insane. It is insane. And I'll tell you that those bookings happened way ahead of time when (laughs) I just didn't know. I just didn't know. I didn't know. That's right. Because I did not know. For a long time after Vinny was born, I could like barely keep my eyes open after like 8.30. Now it's like on a good night, I can make it to like 9.45. But like we have this joke about movies, like every weekend he'll be like, do you want, after we put Vinny to bed, he's like, do you want to watch a movie? And I'm like, I can watch an hour and a half movie. I cannot watch a two hour movie. Right. <laughs> and these damn movies are all two hours these days. Like none I of know. them are an hour and a half know. anymore. <laughs> oh, you get a nice hour and a half comedy and we are very happy. I know. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the life of a stand-up comedian in New York versus the life of a mom and how you do balance those two things or wear I both hats? No, yeah, I don't have any answer on the balance. <laughs> All I know is I'm slowly figuring it out. But, you know, it is the kind of thing where when I talk a lot of it on stage right now, and of course the, the comics are hilarious because you're like, hey, I'm pregnant. And I immediately had to do jokes about being pregnant because you have to address what's going on or else right. you can't like go up on stage 
pregnant and all of a sudden talk about dating. I mean, you can, but <laughs> right, right. you know, the audience was like, mm, I don't really understand how this all comes together. Right. We're going to post a link because you have a trailer for Inside Joke. Is that right? I do. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So we'll make sure we post a link for this. And it's Ophira on stage. You're what, like 39 weeks pregnant? Yeah, exactly. Wearing a pregnancy pillow that's like bedazzled. It's an amazing, (laughs) you you guys have to watch this clip. It's amazing. (laughs) So yeah, so but professionally, you know, when I go on stage, it is me feeling like a different person and I am back in my milieu. And, you know, I've talked about this with my older sister is a professor of political science and a writer and researcher and etc. And You know, she was like, listen, don't feel bad if you don't want to be a stay-at-home mom because there's a lot of women who, after they have a child, realize that they would like to spend all that time now with their kids because they're very connected to their kids and would prefer not to go to work. And she said, you know, that feels natural to them. She said what felt natural to me was also being behind my desk. And I have to say, what feels natural to me is being up on that stage. So when I get to do it, sometimes it's such a pain in the butt to get myself (laughs) dressed and some sort of like makeup on my face and out of that door. And like I'm that whole part of it is horrible. But once I'm actually there, I am super happy to be there. Isn't it? Oh my gosh. I find the same thing when I have evening, often have to go do events at my gym in the evening and talks and stuff. And it's the same where I'm, and I don't even have to put on makeup. Like I'm going to a gym, but I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have to take off my Ugg slippers and put on like tie some tennis shoes. It's very stressful. Put on my cutest Lululemon jacket. Yep. And then so I always am like, oh, I don't feel like going. And then I get there and I'm like, I am with my people. Like, I step into this other version of me that is like exactly where I need to be. And it happens every single time, no matter how much I'm like, oh, I just want to stay home. That once I'm there, I'm like, thank God I'm here. This is the only place I need to be right now. (laughs) And I come home tired, but I usually come home like in a really good mood. Yeah. Yeah. So do you get home at like 2 a.m.? No, I've tried not to do that uh, yet. I will in the future. But, but, you know, right now I'm still waking up at 7.30 a.m. to feed the child. So I try, there's a few times I've been home, you know, past midnight and it just kills me. Like I can't handle it, but we will be heading that way. (laughs) (laughs) Something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know. Exactly. So tell us about your current shamelessness. Are you shamelessly pursuing professional, like, are you going to keep going with your profession? You knew you built a lot of momentum in your last few years before becoming a mom are you going to continue? And I don't know how public you want to be about all these things. No, it's fine. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, with NPR and all these people who help you with these ambitions, but are you pursuing the same professional ambitions while mothering? Or are you kind of shamelessly pivoting professionally to make mothering the center of your life and then keeping the professional stuff more peripheral? Well, I don't know the answer of that in, in practice. My idea is that, yeah, I haven't figured out the work-life balance at all. I've so far failed very and it miserably. it's really early. This is like a premature question because six months is not a fair time to, I, as I was saying, I was like, I was like, this is a little bit of a premature time to answer this question because you don't know how it's going to shake out. And that first year is so different than all the subsequent years. Okay. Well, good to know. I will warn you that like you'll feel a lot differently a year from now. Sure. So, but right now, basically, even though I say this as I'm traveling, I'm not, I'm trying to go on the road, not as much because that's too hard. Right. And I think the thing is, is that for me professionally, what I have done, how I've built my career is sort of like how a donkey 
would build their career. <laughs> I just said yes to every gig and I did every gig and I worked really hard and it didn't matter if it was a high paying gig or a low paying gig or this gig or that gig. I did them all because they all meant something and they were all useful in different ways. Right. And now what I'm trying to do that I've actually is identify that I've actually built something. Yes. And you go, totally have. I know it's very hard for me to figure that out though. It's <laughs> a lot of problems. Well, as a, uh, as a Facebook stalker fangirl of yours, I definitely identified that you've <laughs> built something. <laughs> but the worry, you know, I worry that it will either be taken away or that I have to, you know, I just have never done it any other way. Right. So I'm trying to learn how to do all these things like say no and not freak out that that means that it will all end when I say no to some gigs that are, you know, to create a standard and to decide why would I say yes to the show? It has to fit in a couple different criteria. Either it's, you know, from a career perspective, super interesting. It is going to be so fun because it's people I love working with or it's for great money or it's, you know, some combination, but not just because it's a gig. Right. Like and you get in this mentality where it's just like work is work, work is work, work is work, work is work. But I want to do, you know, instead of, instead of doing, let's say 15 shows a week right now, I want to see if I can do half of that, right. but make them really like the cream of the crop shows. Right. Well, and that also will maybe open more space. You know, I know I've had in some of the business coaching I've had, it's like through saying no, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. Right. It's the first thing. And then with those hell no's, you open up space for like more space for the bigger and better opportunities, which is a huge act of trust to like trust that it's going to go in that direction. But I think you've laid some good groundwork. So there's Absolutely. no reason that it shouldn't. Well, and you know, when you were talking all about the hustle, like I'm done with the hustle too. I'm done with it. I should have been done with it a few years ago. So and exhausting. I just, I just let myself continue to hustle because what else was I doing? Right. But now I have a reason to end the hustle. And I actually have a friend that I toured with a long time ago on a radio lab tour who is a really brilliant musician. And he has a couple of kids. And he said to me when I was pregnant, he was like, the greatest thing about this is that you are going to learn how to prioritize your career, what you say yes to, and you're going to find out how great gigs are and how appreciative you're going to be for them and how you're going to fit yourself into like the things that are perfectly right for you. And he goes, but you can't do it any other way if you're right. just scat scattershot. Right. Right. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> well, I know you say you're not hustling anymore, but I know you also still, even with that, have so many things in the works. So in addition to all NPR work and your stand up work and your book, and which has been a couple of years now since the book came out. But then you're starting a new show. Do you want to talk about I a new know. show? Oh, my goodness. You just, so, I want to hear about this. So this is a live show, and we'll see what happens next to it. But there's a cartoonist by the name of Emily Flake. She wrote a very funny cartoon and story throughout the book called Mama Tried. A lot of people know her work if they know The New Yorker, but she's all over the place. Very, very funny. Has some of the funniest stuff about her three-year-old tug on Facebook of all time. And she and I have become friends because we're in a similar neighborhood. And we were like, you know what? We both like doing comedy about parenting and our kids. And we know other people that have a more irreverent kind of not as traditional approach to it. And mm -hmm. wouldn't that be fun to be able to offer that kind of stuff out there to other parents around who I think we are all, all in desperate need of yes. a little bit of irreverent live humor from some people yes, that please. you know <laughs> are still operating in society somehow. So yeah, I was like, what should the name be? And she was like, what should the name be? And we came up with the name Shit Show because that is basically what your life becomes. It's, it's so perfect. 
yeah, so it's going to be a live event. We're doing our first one, but immediately the response was so positive. We'll see how it goes. Is the, clearly, so is the first one, can people get tickets to the first one already? Is it been scheduled oh, yeah. and everything? It's all online. It's in the latter part of May on May 26th. Okay. We'll link that all up in the show notes Sure. Here. If you live in New York or New yes. York area or fly in. Oh, right. Exactly. I was going to say, you know, take a weekend away from your family and just fly into town for the yeah. show. And then the trailer that I have for Inside Joke, I actually have a 60-minute set of that entire night that I did when I was 49 weeks pregnant or whatever I was, that I finally just got the actual final cut. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, and, and I'm going to be posting that. Oh, so if people we'll want link up to check to that it out. too. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, so, so you have been building your legacy for years <laughs> now, but your legacy has shifted dramatically in the last year and a half. So... Now that you're a mom, how's your legacy shifting and what do you want your son to know most about you? Well, this poor kid has already been all over the internet. He's had one in vitro television credit because I did an episode of Girls when I was pregnant with him. He, Which was uh, amazing. <laughs> it's just like hilarious, weird thing that happened. Um, oh, you were pregnant when you did that? Yeah. Oh, so we just watched, we just finished watching the last season of Girls, which is oh, so good. And we're so sad that we're waiting for the final season to come out. But um, I know. Yeah. We, when we saw you, I assumed it was after, but now that I'm thinking about timelines and TV, it makes sense that you were secretly pregnant during that. Yeah. It was about a year ago. Okay. Yeah. That, that happened. Very funny. Okay. That that was. And so this kid has been, I feel like if he wants to do something entertainment wise, it's got a great body of work right now <laughs> behind him. So actually, I don't know what his legacy will be, but there's a couple things that have happened recently that I thought these are the kind of audio files that I would put in a, I don't know how you would put an audio file in a hope chest, but <laughs> we had Jeff Goldblum on the Ask Me Another show just oh in LA. Gosh. That will be coming out in a few weeks, but he and his wife have a 10 month old baby and he is the kind of guy that came up on stage and said, oh, we have so much to talk about. So how's Lucas doing? How is Lucas sleeping Stop. through the night? Oh my and, gosh. And Jeff Goldblum and I for a few minutes talked about our kids and I was like, I have this recorded. I will always oh, have this. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was just a random thing that he made. I was shocked. Yeah. And not that everything has to be celebrity based, but I just thought that was so neat that just someone who just met me and is a celebrity and knows right. my son's name because of all the crazy right. public stuff that's out there. I mean, that's the way the world works. Yeah. But anyways, the world will end due to the zombie apocalypse in what, <laughs> 20 years, 25 years. Right. So I just hope that, yeah, if this kid, as soon as he walks and talks and has any clue of what he wants to do, says to me, I would just like to become a plumber, man, that would be the best thing that could ever happen to him. So that's, that's uh -oh. what I'm just trying to create that. Right, I don't know what right. my legacy will be for him, but as right. long as he feels empowered right. to do whatever he wants, if he wants to be a plumber, great. Oh, I love that. How do you want him to remember you? Just in many, many years. I mean, like, of course, it will be so long ago we can't or so far in the future, we can't imagine that you would ever not be together. But yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, uh, just the same way as I want anyone to remember me and my audiences, just as long as he's like, yeah, she was funny. That'd, that'd be fine. <laughs> Perfect. That'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay, so we're going to go into the shameless mommy minute here. Okay, so this is our little lightning round. And oh, before we do that, I have to say one thing. I took this little note while we were talking. I was like, I have to remember to say this one thing. So Vince and I knew that you guys would be amazing parents, you and Jonathan, long before you got pregnant. Because when we were in Mexico, I don't know if you guys will remember this. You'll have to ask Jonathan if he remembers. But, I'm sure he will. So, I know what you're going to say. 
we were having the kid conversation at that time. We were like, well, we're probably going to start trying soon and blah, blah, blah. And so we were kind of on that trip, starting to get into that mindset. You guys were not at all in the kid mindset, but you Skyped with your dog every day. Yeah. <laughs> and this one day, I don't know if you remember this one day, where you, I think it was Jonathan's parents were watching the dog and you were Skyping yep. with the dog every afternoon. And there was one day where you couldn't get a hold of them for like three hours. And Jonathan yep. was like, it was very disconcerting. He was pretty much beside him. I think both of you were, but he was more obviously beside himself. And we had a dog and we were like, are we bad? Like dog mom and dads that we were not Skyping with our dog. <laughs> we weren't I even like emailing with our, we were like, the dog is fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think this is the first time we left the dog alone at all with anyone else. So I think we were extra protective, but I don't know if that makes us good people. <laughs> I like that you made that us being good parents. I think that well, makes we us like they're crazy very, parents. Like that, he was like such a, both of you had such a strong maternal or parental connection to the dog that <laughs> we had long lost with our dog. <laughs> right. I know. Actually, when we brought Lucas home from the hospital, I said to Jonathan, I just looked at Mocha and realized she's a dog. <laughs> so does the dog annoy you now that you have a baby? Are you still madly in love? No, I love the dog, but occasionally she does annoy me because she'll just get in the way or, you know, she's a dog. She's a dog. Our dog, I was like obsessed with our dog. Like I would lay on the floor and sing with her and talk to her, like even all through my pregnancy. And like, I was so in love with our dog. And then literally like the baby was born and the dog became so disgusting to me overnight. And to three and a half years later, I still, like yesterday I caught her eating her own poop. And I was just like, what? Like what dog does that? Like dogs are only supposed to eat cat poop. They're not supposed to eat their own poop. I know. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. They're animals. So anyways, we had this like insight into your future of parenting long ago. (laughs) All right. So with that, our lightning round. So shameless mommy minute, red wine or white wine? Ooh, that's interesting. I like red wine, but if I have to do anything socially, I usually drink white because it doesn't stain your teeth or mouth. Good call. Good call. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Uh, I think I know what you're going to say about this one, but current book that you're reading or the last one you read? (laughs) That's funny. A book. (laughs) What is the last book I read? I think it was, yeah, What to Expect in Your First Year and that other one on the happy baby. What's the one where you learn how to swaddle? That's I read that oh, one too. Oh, Happiest Baby on the Block? Yeah, that one. We didn't even read the book. We just got the DVD. <laughs> we did both. Yeah, we did both. <laughs> nice. I got desperate and read the book, but yeah. Nice. I think next though, I'm going to read a novel. You'll see. Oh, you should. Have you read Shonda? Well, you probably haven't read it because you just had a baby six months ago, but Shonda Rhimes, Year of Yes. No, I have not. Oh, it's heard. so good. It's like super funny. She is self-deprecating, hilarious, and brilliant. So it talks about like her as a mom, but also her as a business professional and just a creative writer. And I think you'd love it. I talk about oh, it. Yeah. It's, it's like one of my all-time favorites. I just read it recently. Sounds like a Kindle. <laughs> do it. All right. Favorite non-work-related thing to do with time to yourself? Favorite? You know, once I get back to it, I really do like working out and just stretching. And I mean, it's think I'm not very good at it. I'm terrible at yoga. I hate running. But I, the whole overall thing about it, once it's part of my life, is really important to me. I have to put that back. But I love walking. I love walking. If someone said you can just walk for two hours every day, just mindlessly, I would love that. I'll figure it out. That I'll figure it heavenly. out. Yeah. What's one morning ritual you can't live without? I don't have any morning rituals. No. Not even coffee? 
you know, that's not true. My husband makes me breakfast every oh, morning. And that is because. so sweet. Yeah, we have such odd schedules that we early in our relationship realized that this would be the one guaranteed time we'd be able to see each other. Okay. So that's part of the reason why, how it started. But it's continued. At one point, he was like, um, I'm going to stop making us breakfast every morning. I was like, no, <laughs> you can't. It's a deal breaker. Oh, so, so he does. Sweet. And the breakfasts have become more elaborate recently. And yeah, that is like a huge, huge part of my day. That's awesome. That's so there you go. That's, that's my And right. now all the husbands of the world all look much worse because Jonathan is just like one husband of the year. Yeah. Okay. That's who's right. your biggest inspiration? Who? One person. Who is my biggest inspiration? I know this is always hard. My husband right now, by the way, is pointing at himself. I thought Um, I heard background noise. I was wondering if they maybe had just entered the room. (laughs) Yeah. No, I would say it's the women in my family, you know, even though they all collectively, you have to put them collective. So it's my mother and my two older sisters together. They created a superwoman. Nice. And they have done so many things in their lives. Just pure perseverance, I think, is something that I find very inspirational as someone who's also had to learn her own. That totally, yeah. Those family people, it's funny that you don't necessarily appreciate them until you get to a certain point in your life. And then you're like, oh my God, how have I missed that these people are so significant to me? Yeah. And also, how did I miss that we went through all this weird stuff and they just like stuck their head down and got through it? Like now, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I see now. I mean, that is the one great thing about doing things a little older. Mm -hmm. You actually have the wealth of uh, some years to actually reflect on things and be grateful about it in a really meaningful way. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, last question. If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? Okay, so I think this is what it is. And I think it would be good for probably up till about maybe 10 or 12 years old, your child, is the ability to basically like sort of wave your hand through air, which would create a pattern in the air. So when you stuck your child in the air, you could <laughs> let go and it would hold the child for a minute. Oh, that So would you could do something <laughs> or like grab something or put something down or like just take a breather. Oh, I like love basically, that. yeah, it would just be like at all times, there would just be like a little comforting like this. Eh, and you would Perfect. be like, okay, right. Yep. <laughs> it just holds them in a little air swaddle. Yeah, air swaddle. Exactly. An air swaddle. Oh, perfect. I love that. <laughs> okay, Ophira, thank you so much for your time today. I so appreciate it. And I'm going to link up to a bunch of different things that we referenced here. Make sure people can find you in your Medium article, in your Inside Joke uh, video, and then get tickets to your upcoming shit show and all the other things we mentioned. Do I hear little Lucas there in the background? Yeah, little Lucas is oh. in an exercise saucer that we rented. Oh my gosh. And, uh, yeah, so he's oh. digging it. So, so hi, Jonathan and Lucas. I wish that I could see you guys. So thank you so much for your time. And I want you to come back again in like another six to 12 months. And I want to hear where you're Yeah, at. we'll do an update. I know. We totally have to do an That'd update. That'd be amazing. Well, I'm looking forward to listening to, I've actually, this is what I do with my spare time. I have your podcast to listen to. Yes. Yay. So looking forward. To, I have a few to catch up on. So I'm looking forward to it. Perfect. Well, thank you for spending time. I know also you're in the middle of traveling and I appreciate you in the middle of traveling, uh, jumping on the phone with me. So hey, we will talk what? again soon. Thank yes. you so much. Okay, say hi to Vinny and Vinny. I will do that. (laughs) Okay. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Shameless Mom Academy today. I had such a blast talking with Ophira and I'm definitely going to have to have her back because I feel like we could have just talked for so long. If you're new to the Shameless Mom Academy, thank you for listening for the first time and know that you can find us here every Monday and Wednesday with new episodes. Make sure to subscribe so that you will get those episodes immediately delivered to your device as soon as they are available. And if this episode has been fun, entertaining, helpful, inspiring, any of those great things, please feel free to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. You can do that at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. You can also find out all the links to everything that Ophira and I talked about will be up on our show notes. So if you go to shamelessmom.com to Ophira's episode, you'll see everything all linked up right there. So thanks for listening. If this is your first time, please join us again soon. If you are a loyal listener, a veteran Shameless Mom Academy listener, If you haven't already found us on social media, we are on Instagram and Facebook at the Shameless Mom Academy. So make sure to hop over and find us there where you can see all sorts of entertaining, funny little things that are, you know, some people would consider a waste of time and I would consider very valuable and as all things with social media are. So we can't wait to have you listen in again. So make sure you check in at our next episode. And until next time, make sure that no matter what you do today, you do it shamelessly. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.